Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help you think, learn and grow and hopefully smile and laugh on the way too. My aim here is to break down your barriers to taking action and provide you with evidence-based diet and exercise information in a fun and interesting way. I hope I nail that and I hope you enjoy. If at any point you are enjoying this and you think, wouldn't it be great to work with Emma? You can head to esgfitness.co.uk to find out more information. Without further ado, because I hate long introductions, here is this episode. Hello, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good, how are we? I'm good. We were just saying I'm pretty like I'm pretty tired and I think I might be unwell, but you know, ignoring that, I'm great. It's quite sunny here as well, which I was surprised at. I thought it wouldn't be sunny. But well, we had... what's, what's Edinburgh like with the bins? Um started to clear them up just now, but they are I think they're back on strike next week. So oh, it's not great. So for those people yeah. in Scotland, like the, the bin men are on strike and women. Um and it's not great. It's not looking great in Scotland right now. Ed- Edinburgh is looking horrendous. Yeah, Edinburgh was horrendous. Like the, the t- city centre was just minging. As also, you then have seagulls, pigeons, rats, crows ripping stuff up and chucking it about foxes, ch- chucking stuff about the place. So, they yeah. must be a loving life. Absolutely. But um, I think it comes down to the fact that they need a bit of a cull of the, the wildlife in Edinburgh because there's far too many. Like the number, honestly, see walking to work and stuff at like half five in the morning, quarter past five in the morning with the dog, the amount of rats, like ridiculous. And they're not small rats, they're like fucking huge. Um, oh God. Rats, mice, far too many seagulls in this city as well now. It's just ridiculous. Oh dear, oh dear. Right, okay, first question. Susie, and also I very much enjoyed the bear photo that Susie has put up. But anyway, she says, so my fitness pal are stopping doing barcode scanning for free in the app in October. So to get that, you will need to pay a premium membership. NutriCheck are currently do- offering a 50% discount to their yearly membership, which makes it much cheaper than my fitness pal. Firstly, I'd just like to say congratulations to NutriCheck for doing that because what like what a way to steal a ton of people from my family. absolutely i was like respect for that but i think i mean most people who move like most of my clients who have moved from my fitness pal to nutricheck have preferred nutricheck so i don't see it as necessarily a bad thing if that's what you're going to move to any thoughts yeah. on, on that it's finding, finding something that works for you isn't it and which you prefer I do think my fitness pal is probably quite expensive to sign up as a premium member. So if you're going to sign up for something, I would have a look at NutriCheck if that's if they're doing fifty percent off. Always worth the bargain. True that. Okay, Kat, is a twenty-five gram bar of eighty-five percent dark chocolate an okay source of good fats? Find a really simple way to get fats up at the end of the day. If not. If I've not hit around 40 grams, I used to have HA three years ago. So yes, like that's a great way to get in fats, um, especially if you enjoy dark chocolate. I would also think about adding things in like olive oil. Like um, I 
I'm I don't subscribe to superfoods but if there was one I was going to say that like everyone should include I think it would probably be olive oil I think it's shown to have so many positive health outcomes so I would try and include that somewhere in your diet and re-HA it's actually less to do with the amount of fat in your diet although that will certainly help like not having a very low fat diet but it's more to do with your total body fat than it is to do with dietary fat I think the only reason I bring this up is because some people think they can kind of get away with staying really lean and just increasing the amount of fat within their diet without increasing their calories and without putting on body fat and that's not going to work like it's it's been caused by a actual or at least perceived um inadequate level of energy i.e very low body fat levels or the signal of very low body fat levels so normally very low leptin levels and you can't really get around that by just eating more fat like you need to put on body fat so that your body's like oh look there's enough energy here we can menstruate great nothing to add to that one kneel it down okay um I've already answered this one. Question about tracking things other than weight loss. I know the scales are not always a great indicator of progress. And I do sometimes have unnecessary emotional reactions when I'm not making progress on the scales. I also struggle with water retention a lot. So do the coaches have any top tips about other things I can measure as well as kilograms and centimeters? Great question. Why don't you start on that? Yeah, I think um, I think we all get very much hung up on um, the scales, and I think it's something that, especially if you've got a, a sort of poor history with dieting, it's something that's really not going to help you focus in fully on the scales. The scales should be there just as a number; they're there as a number for you to as data for for you to be able to use on in the word I hate and on your fitness journey, depending on which way you want to go. Um, whether you're trying to put on muscle or whether you're trying to cut back on body fat, it's just it's just a number. It's the same thing as like you know, inputting stuff into my fitness pal or NutriCheck. It's a number that you can use to help you work out where things are happening or not happening. But definitely, you know, I've got quite a few one-to-one clients that have been that were sort of readjusting goals at the moment, and things like um, performance-driven goals are probably the thing I use the most now. Um, in terms of uh, working with clients. So things like um, cert- setting sort of certain strength goals that we're looking to look uh, to use. So um, Tracy, who I work with, we've just set her a new um, uh, goal of a 200 kilo leg press. Um, oh. It's for, for eight reps. So um, yeah, so, you know, little things like that that are um, that don't have as much emotion attached to them because we know that, body fat and weight scale weight has such a massive emotional sort of um, output for people whereas some taking it away and having it as something that can be rather than you using it to beat yourself which with which is what we don't want you to do um you know you're using that scale weight to beat yourself because you haven't lost a half pound this week you know rather than looking at that i'd prefer to look at the sort of performance driven stuff where you know i've managed to put an extra 10 kilos on my leg press this week you know that's something to celebrate and it keeps you motivated and keeps you moving forward so things like that you know you've i know you've done in the past with things like pull-ups you know pull-up challenges etc you know that's another cracking one to do for you know strength strength and performance gain in a progress markers so yeah it's trying to get away from things that are going to 
upset you unnecessarily because as soon as you get upset and you become emotional, that's where potentially if you have a, a tendency for emotional eating, that's where that's probably going to come in. You know, these kind of things, you want to be able to have a progress marker that are positive and they, they back you and they help you move forward rather than sort of put you in a dark place where you don't want to be. Yeah, I mean, brilliantly put. I think one of the most amazing things, can you hear that noise? Oh, there's a plane going overhead, but it's really loud. Um, one of the most amazing things about performance markers is it's focusing on what your body can do, not just how small you can make it. And as Andy's saying, that's so empowering to actually be like, look at this amazing thing my body can do. Like for a lot of people, it'll be something like press-ups. Like a lot of people start commit to six and they get the morning routine and they're like, I can't do press-ups. And I'm like, okay, in six weeks, you'll be doing press-ups. You act and like you do it every morning. You practice something every morning for six weeks. You will be bossing press-ups by the end. And that's really impressive, partly because it's a body weight, strength to body weight ratio exercise. And also it's pretty amazing to be like, I couldn't do this. I physically could not do this. And now I can because I put in the hard work. Like I think people under appreciate the kind of self-esteem that gives people as well. Like I, I tried to do something that was really hard and I've achieved it. Like there's a huge element of that that like, gives you a lot of confidence and, and that translates to other areas of your life as well. So I really think performance markers are excellent. I also think what's quite underrated is just using the process as the goal. So at the end of the week, the goal isn't to lose a pound. The goal is to tick all your boxes, right? So my average calorie count, I've stuck to that. My average step count, I've stuck to that. I've gotten three workouts this week and I've got my protein in every single day. Like that is the definition of a successful week. It doesn't matter if the scales have gone up or the scales have gone down. That's a successful week. We will worry about the scales. Like if they are trending over time in the wrong direction, we will make adjustments. But if it's a week that you weigh a bit heavier, that doesn't mean you've not lost body fat. In fact, it happens probably every month for most women where they weigh more, but they've lost body fat because they're retaining water for hormonal reasons. So just bear that in mind and like, it's hard to get your head around the scales because even when, and I've explained this probably a million times and I will always be here for reassurance. So will all of the coaches. So don't, you know, if you're freaking out about the scales, just reach out because sometimes you just need to hear the same thing again said to you at the right time, like to keep you on track. And that's part of what we do as coaches. But sometimes it's still like, there is still this like hang up on the scales. Even if you know, it cannot physiologically be body fat. Like, I know that I stuck to 1600 calories yesterday and today I weigh a pound more. That is literally impossible. There is no energy to be stored as body fat there. It cannot happen. But you still have this like hang up in your head of, oh, I weigh a pound more and fat loss is my goal. And so just try and zoom out. And when you're looking at the scales, think I'm looking at um, progress or well, like direction over time as opposed to what's happening day to day because your weight will fluctuate day to day. But over time, we're looking at, is it trending in the right direction, whether that is weight gain if you're trying to build muscle or weight loss if you're trying to lose fat. All righty then. Okay, next question. Dawn. Hi, lovely coaches. Hi, Dawn. Oh, also shout out to Dawn because she really helped us. Oh, this is maybe the first podcast we've done since we moved Commit to Six over to the new platform. 
And I have to say, uh, many a mistake was made by me. Um, a lot more work went into this than many people will realize, partly because of certain mistakes that I made. Um, I also, so I, and I was at an event this weekend at which I manually, with the help of Catherine, removed 2,000 people from the app. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. One of the most fun experiences. And then I had to re-upload everything. Anyway, like it, basically it was a long process, but Dawn really helped me initially because we tried out a few things. We tried Slack, I think, and Discord, and we're like, oh, these aren't quite right. And now I'm actually really happy with Mighty Networks. I think it's working really well. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's, um, it's, it's very simple, I think, which is kind of keeps this more simple. I always say this, more simple things are, the more chance you've got of sticking to the plan and also staying in the right place rather than getting lost. I think it's it's a good, it seems to be a good um, platform or portal to be using. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, I think sometimes on Facebook, I worry that I miss things or so the coaches worry that they miss things. And like, I've noticed recently, and I'm really glad we moved over because obviously I still use it for the EC method and some of the notifications I'm getting notifications from stuff and it's like four days ago yeah yeah I've already replied to it and I'm like what the hell's going on and am I missing ones that are now and anyway obviously we've moved from that now so we don't have to worry about that um but anyway my point was Dawn was very helpful with that and she gave us some really good feedback um and kind of helped me like beta test it a little bit and was like this is going to work this isn't going to work so I really appreciate that. Thank you for your time and expertise. Right, on with your question. My gym has got a couple of new natty machines, including a glute drive, which I'm buzzing for. But they've also added a hack squat machine. And I wonder if if you could tell me the difference between hack squat, no, sorry, between squat, hack squat, and leg press. Thank you very much. Probably one for you, Andy. Yeah, it's all just different, um, different, um, Angles. Different angles of movement, really, more than anything else. A hack squat is very much a sit-down movement where with a barbell, you would probably sit on your arse because you don't have the square-sided square movement. Squat, your body can move a bit better. It can move around its, move in its own um, plane of movement. Leg press is, a, is just basically a machine variant of a squat. That's pretty much what it is. It's, um, you know, most machine derivatives have got or come from a barbell position. So a chest press is a bench press. You know, they ha all have their uh, your your alternative for a free weight to a machine. Um, a hack squat is very much very, a very 90 degree movement at the knee and at the hip. So as I say, between that and if you try to do that with a barbell, it, the only way you could really do that is if you were to use a box and you'd probably find that you have to sit down on every single rep, which with a box squat, you don't really want to put full weight onto the onto the box. So yeah, um, it's a nice change of change of pattern of movement. Um, so get used to using them all. Um, have a go. Hack squat. When you initially use a hack squat, you might find that you feel like you're about to shear your knees off because of the angle that it sits at. I thought you were going to say shit yourself. <laughs> well, that too, to be fair, because with your knees in the position, certainly you've got as, knees as good as mine. Um, you're kind of a little bit like, oh, crap. But yeah, um, get used to using them. And if you, as I say, anything like that, if you want to pop up, a, a, can we, can they post videos up on this? Yeah. Yeah, if you want to pop up a video for technique-wise, pop it up and we can have a look at it quite easily. Mm-hmm. 
the other thing I would add to this, just as you were speaking, it made me think of it. Some people just like certain machines more than others. Like I might be like, oh, I really feel that certain or that certain leg press really works well for me. And other people might be like, oh, no, I prefer the hack squat. Or like, for example, I, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I can't use the hack squat partly because of my back, but partly because it's too heavy with mm. no weight on for me. Like I can't, yeah. my legs are so atrophied now that 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 weight is like a two rep max for me. And like yeah. I don't ever push myself to that um, extent with my back anymore. So I do much, much lighter weight on my lower body. And I do think that that's maybe a bit of a limitation because I am weak right but there must be other people that would like to hack squat that are also of a similar strength you know like everyone starts somewhere right so I do yeah. think it is a bit heavy to start with there's quite a good um so there's a piece of kit that you use that everybody mistakens for a sissy squat machine so it's basically like a platform on the ground and it's got two pads and yeah. you've got a pad for the top of your foot and a pad for behind your calf. So everybody thinks that's a sissy squat. It's not. A sissy squat is actually on the toes. So you actually come forward on the toes and your knees drive forward. So it's a completely different movement. But that little that little machine's actually a hack squat. And something that you could do with that, if you have a have they're they're actually really cheap. They're only about 25 quid if you were to want to get one for yourself. And what you would do is, is similarly to using assisted movement with a pull-up, get a band, attach it to something, and use the band to help pull yourself back up without using any weight. So that's also, you know, there's certain things like that that you could, but yeah, you're right. The the, the carriage generally for a hack squat and the probably the matrix kit that Pure Gym have, this minimum weight is going to be is about 55 kilos. So for many people, that's near a body weight straight off the bat without obviously incorporating their own body weight into it so yeah it's it's pretty heavy so you know don't be discouraged if you find that it's really really heavy Uh, it's also Um, a different plane of movement as well so you know getting used to a different plane of movement can always be quite tough because you've got that kind of thought process of oh shit am i doing this right or oh shit am i going to break myself doing this so yeah there's always that yeah um Random thought, is there a physiological reason to split workouts specifically into push and pull, or is it just an easy way to group body parts on different days? There is, but what I will say is there's a physiological rationale for doing it that way and for not doing it that way, which I will get into, but I guess this is a good example of, I was speaking about this the other day, yesterday actually on the EIQ live about how it's so important to think critically and like anything that we say like think critically about it as well I think it helps when there's two people on the podcast because then I can be like oh Andy I hadn't actually thought about it that way like do you care to explain or this is actually how I approach it then you kind of get two views on things also if you're me you will literally argue with yourself so you guys probably get a much more rounded view because I'm like this is why I do it, but also blah, blah, blah. So basically that's what I'm going to do now. The reason that I would split things into like push-pull is because you're using many of the same muscle groups doing, say, push. So whether it's a shoulder press or a chest press, you're still using very similar muscles. So like your triceps would be heavily involved in both of those. And then on a pull movement, it might be like a lat pull and a row and a bicep curl or something like that. Again, you're using very similar muscle groups. So you're fatiguing 
all of the muscle groups that tend to be involved in pulling or in pushing. And then let's say you then had a rest day and then the next day you did your pull session or your pull set or your push session, whatever one you hadn't done before that gives those, right. Let's say you did pull first, then you have a rest day and you do push. You're, you're still getting rest on the pull muscles while you're working the push muscles. So it's giving you enough time for those muscles to recover rather than say doing both push and pull in the same session. And then you might not recover as well. So that's basically the reason why but I mean you can split workouts so many ways and there are pros and cons to all of them and to be honest like they all work mm-hmm. it is part of its preference like I really I really enjoy a push pull like split and I think it works well for many people um but again you can do body part splits if you want to do body part splits you can do upper lower splits you can do splits like committed at the moment at least the, or the last round, they had them based around the main lift. So it might be like bench day, um, squat day, deadlift day. And again, like you're just sort of grouping muscle groups based around that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's um, a lot of it is preference. The big one that a lot of people miss out on when it comes to training is the enjoyment factor. So you'll generally want to train how you enjoy it. So for me, I'm a bit of a bro split. So I like the kind of bro, the bro sort of bodybuilding split of legs, chest, shoulders, some arms and some back and work it that way. But that's because I've got the time to do it. You've also got to factor in things like your um, work, family, home life. You know, if you only can train three days a week, push, pull legs is going to be a great way of doing it. You know, also along the lines of doing push and pull, you can run them um, um, day after each other which means that you could potentially do Monday, Tuesday, especially if you've got two days that you can't train Wednesday, Thursday, then to drop your leg session in. A lot of it's to do with enjoyment. A lot of it's to do with how your day and your weeks are set up. And it's about being able to fit. And this is the whole idea as we're training is there's no one way of doing it. There's no one way to skin a cat because there's so many people have so many different preferences and different lifestyles that it needs to work for, for all of it. So finding a way that works is the best way to do it. Yeah, I also think like when you're thinking, okay, but what's optimal? Like no one really knows. Like I don't imagine that you could tell the difference between someone that was doing push pull legs or someone that was doing upper body, lower body, full body in like in rotation. Like it's going to be so negligible. If anything, like Andy's saying, it's probably more to do with enjoyment. Yeah, they, even even probably at the top level of bodybuilding, there'll be people, everybody will have a different way of training. And that's, you know, that's at the, the end of a physique where you're you're talking about like top level stuff, you know, so it doesn't matter, you know, and for, for general, for general Joe, who's just wanted to get stronger, to get fitter, to cut a bit of body fat, to add a bit of muscle, it's just about getting into the gym and getting the resistance sessions done. And how that works for you will just be dependent on your enjoyment levels, how it fits into your life. So something I wouldn't stress too much about. Agreed. Okay. Next question. I only get approximately 30 minutes in the gym due to childcare. Should I reduce the amount of exercises or rest time? So rather than either of those, what I would probably do is reduce the sets. So I would, you know, if it was three sets of 10, I'd maybe just do two sets. And then you might also need to reduce the exercises as well. And if you're doing the gym workouts that I've set, I would remove the finishes at the end. 
and just make sure you're getting the resistance training in and yeah drop the sets yeah good way to do it other ways to do it i don't know i don't know what the sessions are like at the moment but things like supersets always a good way to do it doubling up your exercises just depending on what your time your time um management's like as well but definitely the first thing that we would normally do is just drop a set off each and see how you get through it Okay, Helen, I'd love to hear your thoughts slash tips on handling social pressure with food and drink. I'm fairly comfortable with occasionally going over calories or using calories over the weekend to allow for weekend meals and drinks. But a lot of my life revolves around socialising at both work and at home. So I can't always balance it out. So I have to limit what I'm eating or drinking, which can be awkward when the expectation from family and friends or colleagues is to eat and have a few drinks. Any tips on remaining disciplined as well as managing other people's expectations? Thank you. You shouldn't be man. You shouldn't be managing anybody else's expectations. You manage your own expectations, and they should be understanding that what you're doing. A lot of this kind of stuff comes down to just a, a little bit of self-discipline, being mindful, being able to understand that you can say no to whatever you don't want, and. Anybody that decides to judge you on that one can go and take a run and jump. You know these things happen. Like I'm, I'm, I'm teetotal. Have been now for twenty two years, and initially when people kept saying, "Oh, do you want a drink? Do you want a drink?" No, don't want a drink. It's got nothing. Why do you not drink? It's nothing to do with you. Why I don't drink? It's, that's that's my issue. That's got nothing to do with anybody else. So a lot of this kind of stuff, the social pressure kind of stuff, is we're not. Well, most of us aren't. 14 years old now it's not peer pressure you have to realize that this is your life you choose how you live it um if you want to go out and have a couple of drinks happy days if you want to go out and take the car that's the, probably one of the best ways to to get out of not having a drink is taking the car that's probably the best way um, i don't have a car so i just carry around old car keys oh sorry or, <laughs> or or you just or you just do what i normally do when on night six it's like i'm just going to the toilet and then you just disappear don't come back just yeah just disappear and that's it but yeah a lot of this kind of stuff is people i think a lot of people it's the same thing about this is the kind of thing when you decide to make a a change to your health and fitness and people are like oh you know my partner's not supportive you know these kind of things they don't have to be that's it would be nice if they were but not everybody's going to support you and also not not everybody's going to um not everybody's going to support you in what you're doing and you just need to balls it out understand that you are you you've made a choice it's your decision and you're just going to stick to your stick to your guns on it um but yeah it's a lot of it is just about the sort of mindfulness of things like being smart i'm not gonna i'm gonna you know, if you're going to have a couple of drinks, maybe go, I'm going to go gin and slim link tonic rather than glasses of wine. You know, nice, easy calorie savings and stuff there. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, there's lots of ways to go around this and you'll get a lot of different answers on this as well. Yeah, I mean, there's great answers on this thread already, but I think choosing your indulgences and enjoying them and also I think underrated, like looking forward to them. So instead of just like showing up somewhere and, oh, there's a cake and I kind of fancy having a bit of cake, like think ahead, be like, right, on Sunday, we're all going out for brunch and I can't wait for that. Because actually so much of the enjoyment of any event comes from the anticipation of it. So actually like plan these things ahead, like plan in a treat, look forward to it and then enjoy it. There's some incredible research around holidays and how people get like 50% of the enjoyment of a holiday 
from the anticipation of your holiday, not from the holiday itself. So things like that, like a lot of people are like, oh, what? So you're limiting yourself to only having this. Po- Doesn't that seem really restrictive? I'm like, no, it'll make you enjoy your life more. Genuinely will make you enjoy your life more. Like I didn't see that as negative at all. The other thing I'll say is I think it was Chris Williams that said this. There's something along the lines of um, alcohol is the only drug that if you don't take it, people question why. Like, you know, if you were like, no, thank you. I wouldn't like any cocaine. People wouldn't be like, why? <laughs> like, you should be taking cocaine. Like, you have to take this. Like, that would be seen as wrong, right? But people will will pressure you into drinking. Mm-hmm. But I would just like, yeah, like Andy's saying, I would just be like, I don't drink. Or, you know, if you need to make something up, like I'm on medication or whatever, you shouldn't need to, right? I just don't want to drink, end of. Mm-hmm. No one should be questioning that. Saying that, I've just been at a weekend where everyone was drinking a lot and there was a lot of questions of like why don't you drink and I was like I think the harder point is I do drink so I had one drink like one really nice margarita and I freaking loved it right but then mm-hmm. that because I don't enjoy being hungover I don't really enjoy yeah. being drunk like I don't enjoy any of it but I enjoyed that one drink sometimes it's a little bit harder when you're like oh I do drink I just don't want to as opposed to just I don't drink and then the final thing I'll say is actually two more things one and this is a reminder that Andy often gives which is it's not about the alcohol it's not about the calories it's not about the people sorry it is about the people it's not about the food it's 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 not about people it's not about the people it's about you Helen (laughs) and what you want and nobody else matters right (laughs) just remember the world revolves around you no it is about the people right and it's about the experience and about being there and being present and part of that comes from not over worrying about the food as well like if you're sat there thinking god I think there's 500 calories in that and I've only accounted for four or like you're not present and you're not enjoying yourself so don't overthink that but equally remember that like you can have a freaking amazing time and have half of your meal instead of the full meal like that wasn't what made it like when you look back at like the best dinners out you've had where you laughed your ass off and it was so funny and you had a great time and great conversations you're not like the thing I remember most about that was the pasta dish that I ate. Like normally you're like, oh, it was so, I, I remember her telling me this story about when she grew up or whatever it is. Mm. And that's what you remember. Or you remember how funny it was or how nice it was to meet these new people. You like, if people were like, oh, what exactly did you eat? I can't, I can't remember it. What exactly I ate that night? Like it doesn't matter at all. It was actually about the people. And when you remove the kind of obsession with food away from that, it becomes a lot easier to be present and actually enjoy the reason that you're actually there. And then finally, you've kind of mentioned here that it's like the norm of socializing and the norm of work and the norm of when we like hang out with our families and blah, blah, blah. Like, and this might sometimes sound harsh, but I don't really care. The average person is overweight. The average person is constantly yo-yo dieting. The average person is unhappy with their bodies. Like, the average person is unhealthy. That's a problem. So if you're doing what the norm is, the average person is doing all the time, then the likelihood is you will also add up, end up as the average person. You don't have to be the average person. But if you don't want to be average, which is why you're here, then you can't act in an average way. Like you can't follow the exact norms that other do, others do. So if you're going into, I don't know, your office and everyone's like, oh, look Helen's bought a Tupperware oh look she's bought her own lunch today like good 
and you don't have to rub it in anyone's face but like that's a, that's a good thing you're you're not like doing the same as what everyone is and going to the canteen and having like chips and macaroni for lunch every day you're like no yeah. I actually care about my health I don't want to end up an average number like everyone else like yeah. you know even the other like the average person like loses muscle as they age the average person loses bone mineral density puts on weight like increases their risk of cardiovascular disease like um, is more likely to have type 2 diabetes all these things like you don't have to be the average person and I hate the way that in the media that's portrayed because it's like as you age you will put on weight or as you age you will lose muscle or as you age your risk of x will go up I'm like no, not if you take a change not if you don't act like the average person when we're looking at research what we're looking at is the average outcomes and that doesn't have to be you but it's on you to change those behaviors and I think we almost go too far the other way we're like well, I don't want to stick out like I'd rather be the norm which is that we always go out and overeat food and over drink well you know what do you want more that's it I think you I think people need to do still need to understand that there is going to be there are some things that you're going to have to give up I'm not saying you're having to give up your life and you you can't socialize but you're going to have to be a bit smarter while socializing so there are going to be there are going to be there's a there's give and take at all in, in life at all times and this is no different to anything else and if you want to be above average if you want to be in that level up you're going to have to get there's going to be probably a little more give than you want but if you really, if you if you want to be there, you're going to have to, to put it. You know, we're not asking you to be professional athletes and give up your social life for huge amounts of time. We're not even actually asking you to give up your social life. All we're doing is, is that you're going to have to be a little bit smarter and navigate that social life probably slightly differently. Average actions get average results. Results. Exactly. That's not what we're about here at Commit to Six. No average results here. Okay, Jennifer. Breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, dinner like a pauper. What is a pauper? A pauper is like a, a, a poor person. Okay. Um, these days seems to have flipped. Would you agree um, it would be good to return? No. No. Uh, well, I mean, actually. <laughs> it depends. It's a, I think it's a depends question. It depends. I personally don't eat breakfast. I, I haven't done for a number of years now because it doesn't fit into my life. Like I have a shake in a shake in the morning, so I actually try to eat like a king in the morning. Eat like a king in the morning. I don't have the time for it. I, I genuinely don't have the time to sit down. That's when I'm busiest with my my one to one or my in person clients. So actually, I I flip it around and I have more at dinner time because my calories are set up that way. So yeah. it's about it's about finding what works for you. It's the same as any of this. This is about finding what works in your lifestyle. And, you know, we have a whole host of like, you know, to, going back to the last question, what was the first thing that you were told as a kid? You can't leave food on your plate. So everybody feels that they have to finish their dinner. Well, you don't have to do that. You can leave food on your plate. Yeah, everybody talks about food waste and stuff like that, but shut, cut your portions down a little bit. You know, but if you're going out to a restaurant, you can leave food on the plate. You know, these little things, you know, these things were, were sort of put into you as a child. And certainly in my generation, because I'm what, 10 years older than you, you know, these things were massive. Like, you know, you can't leave the you can't leave the dinner table until your plate's finished. Whereas actually I'm now telling people, actually, you don't need to finish everything on your dinner plate. And this is another one here, you know, this this the, the saying there's a lot of 
these kind of sayings that probably do ring true in some ways and a lot that don't, but also some that are very open to how the person takes it. So for some people, this will work really well. For others, it won't work well. So it's mm. about making it work for you. I do agree with you that I think most people don't really have time to sit down every day and have a massive breakfast. But what they do often like look forward to and have time for is to sit down and have a nice dinner, which, you know, I much prefer to eat less during the day and then more in the evening. It's a more sociable meal, isn't it? It, it's much more sociable meal but also it's something to look forward to right like you're busy during the day like I'm almost eating for fuel during the day and then in the evening I might eat a little bit more for pleasure as well something that I actually enjoy yeah. um, however there is a physiological rationale for eating like that which is that insulin sensitivity is a little bit lower in the evening again yeah how much this would make a difference if you were physically active and resistance trained i'm willing to bet almost no difference whatsoever but there is um some rationale that actually insulin sensitivity would be reduced at night so having your biggest meal in the evening is probably not a great idea um but that like i mean i'm just saying basically i'm just saying it to argue with myself as usual so there you go um Okay, we'll make this the last one. And by the way, we're going to come back tomorrow with Shona to finish off these questions. So do not worry. What's the psycholo- What's the psychology around losing the will when when you're expected to do, i.e. exercises, versus very eager when you don't have the ability slash time annoys the hell out of me? Expectation get- versus reality. I think um, we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves to... Um, to be perfect um i think and when you when you don't when you have the time to do it you procrastinate we talk about procrastination a lot don't you you know so if you have more time you'll procrastinate a lot more so but when you don't have time you think about the things that you wish that you wish you could do and that's just a, that's just human nature it's the same you, you know we all have these these things in our in our head and we all sort of we all sort of we all want the things that we can't have, you know, you know, and it's just, it's one of those ones where, you know, if you have more time, you'll probably procrastinate and you don't want to, to actually go and do it. But when you don't have time, the same task, you want to be able to have the time to do it. It's just, it's human nature of probably. Yeah, it's, it's weird psychology, isn't it? I'm just thinking of yeah. another example of, like, do you ever book something in? And then if it's cancelled, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I've got this hour back. Yeah. When actually like you booked it in because you wanted to do it, right? Like for yeah. example, like let's say you'd booked in a personal training session, like as, as a client. And then the personal trainer took message you and it's like, I'm so sorry, but I can't, I can't do today. Like there's normally, even though you know you want to do that, you know it's going to get you closer to your goal. And probably like I would hope that you would enjoy that session as well. But there is still an element of like, oh, great like now I've got the night free and sometimes and to me like this is I always thought this was something that's like unique to me but I'm very weird about as soon as I book something almost immediately I want to change it don't know why it's like a thing that I have I'm like oh well it, like oh but I could always change that or I could move my train so it's a little bit earlier a little bit later but like there's no need for it whatsoever I just have this weird thing that as soon as I think it might be commitment issues but as soon as I commit to something I'm like how can I get out of it? 
I think, but I think a lot of people, a, a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't like having firm commitments in the diary for any, not just in things like relationships, but like in having something in your diary is like, oh shit, I've got to do that, and then you're like, oh, how can I, how can I get out of this? And then when you do get out of it, it's like happy days where we've got so much more free time, and actually you don't, you still got that one hour that you had that commitment in there. It's, I think it is. I think it's just it's the way that most of us, most of us think. I think more than anything else, you know, we have human beings. Will human beings will? It's the same. You do. You did a really good podcast about procrastination, and mm. it's it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like whereas, you know, and lots of people take that slightly differently. So it's quite funny because but uh, Laura, she's she's hilarious. So if she has no time, if, if she has. If she has no time, if she's got like a real short time frame of getting something done, she'll end up being late because she'll end up procrastinating in that time. Whereas if she's got more time, she ends up getting everything done that she needs. It's whereas most people are the other way around. I'm like that. If I've got a lot of dead time, I'll probably procrastinate rather than doing something. Yeah. So, and I think this is often true with like, and I'm reading into this, Jennifer, but I think this is what you're saying when let's say it's a Saturday and you have basically the whole day to go to the gym. You kind of don't want to go. Whereas when it's midweek and you've only got an hour, but then that meeting got pushed a little bit and now you're like, oh my God, that's biting into my gym time and I really wanted to go. That seems, so often it's like this kind of like Parkinson's law where if you've got all day to do something, it never gets done. Whereas if you know you have a distinct period of time in which to do it, you're much more motivated to do that. I find with workouts, and if you know that you're someone like that, I would try, if possible, to fit it in your day early so that it's done. And actually, then you feel different for the rest of the day because you feel like a little bit of, and so you should, right? Like, I've nailed that. I've ticked that off. Like, I've already worked out today. Not only do you feel a little bit better from like endorphins, but also like, I'm trying to think of a different word for smug, but like a little bit smug, like about yourself, which is like, as you should, right? You've nailed a workout already and it, like most people haven't yet, right? Awesome. Whereas the difference is actually feeling a small amount of anxiety all day of, will I actually get to the gym or am I going to be tired? Or by the time I get there, will this have happened? Or, that, or sometimes there is an element, if you're not in the routine of going to the gym, of kind of worrying that you will talk yourself out of going before the end of the day. Whereas if you've already done it, it's like one, you've already done it. And two, you've got the kind of smug feeling all day of like, yeah, I've already nailed it. Instead of the underlying anxiety all day of said, I was going to go to the gym and I really hope that I do follow through on that, but I don't fully trust myself yet. Cause it's not ingrained as a habit yet or lots of other things could come up. And like, it's one thing when you're, just relying kind of on your own motivation willpower like I guess promise to yourself to get it done but it's another thing when you've got that plus the fact that your your kid might call you from school and be like football's cancelled you need to pick me up or you know there's loads of other things going on so I think there might be an element of that as well I think nice Okay, excellent questions, guys. And as I said, this was a short, sharp one, but we will be back tomorrow to finish off the questions. Goodbye. Ciao. Thank you, as ever, for your time and attention. If you want to talk to me about coaching or if you want to find out more about how to work with me, head over to esgfitness.co.uk 
There is also lots of free information on the website and some worksheets, which I hope you will find useful. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear from you. Please tag me in your stories at ESG Fitness or shoot me a message. And if you think you know anyone who would enjoy this episode, why not share it with them? Thanks, guys. 